Welcome to the University Church of Eugene. And dang, we are living up to that name today, huh? We're meeting here on campus. This is awesome. How are you guys doing? Is everybody all right? Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 5. Because we do got, I'm, I'm going to be kind of optimistic here today that we're going to get through the rest of this chapter that we didn't do last Sunday. And some of you are freaking out about that. That's all right. I'll cut it if we need to cut it. Man, it's so encouraging to see everybody here today to have Salem with us. So glad to see you guys. Yeah, you can clap. That's clap. That's, that's a clapper. It's great to have Corvallis with us too. Don't worry, Salem. We're just as excited about you guys, even if the clapping wasn't there. I promise. We're just as excited. And some Portland's here. That's true. Man, I'm really excited about today for a lot of reasons. Uh, we, we've been uh, fighting and trying to make this happen for, for some years now. So yeah. it's so cool to be meeting on campus again. I think the last time we did this, um, we did have our All Oregon Unity service in the amphitheater in front of the EMU. And then before that was our, our kickoff service band way back in 2015. Right, it just blows my mind that that's half a decade ago by now, right? So some of you that were here on the mission team five years ago, I know you guys are like, dang, this is trippy. We're back on campus. <laughs> but it's so good to be here and even to have so much of our campus ministry involved in leading the service today, man. We're just so excited, so grateful that you guys are allowing to hear us speak and sing and do these things. And it's so great to be up here this morning. So we are in Mark chapter 5. And, and kind of here's what we're talking about today. There, there's a really, really interesting interaction that Jesus has with a couple people. And I'll be honest with you, I was trying to differentiate, trying to just pick one case to, to preach on and speak on today, but I was, you know, these are just so intrinsically connected that we gotta preach on both of them. So what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking at this story of where Jesus interacts with a synagogue leader named, uh, named uh, Jairus. And he's also gonna interact with a bleeding woman that has been sick and bleeding for 12 years. And we're going to see how these stories combine and, and I think create one narrative. And kind of here's my, I got one point today because we're going to be looking through a lot of scripture. And we're going to be saying a lot of things, but there's one narrative thread that I think uh, links this, these two stories together. And that narrative thread is this, and it's my one point, is that Jesus walks with the brokenhearted. Amen. Jesus speaks with the brokenhearted. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Jesus, Jesus gives hope to the hopeless. So that's our one point today. That was a really long point, so thanks for hearing that out. <laughs> so we're going to start here in uh, Mark chapter uh, 21 and add a point. I'm going to get Stacy up. She's got some things she'd like to share. So, you know, we can be hyping her up, man. Have, have the highest expectations for that because she's awesome. So here's what we're going to look at. Mark chapter 21. Let's just go ahead and get going because we got some stuff. Mark chapter 5 is what I definitely said. <laughs> we're going to get going on that. Mark chapter uh, 5, verse 21. Verse 21, did I get that? Are we, are we all good? Maybe I should start using slides. Okay. Uh, Mark 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come. And put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. So Jesus went with him. All right, remember our point. Jesus walks with the broken heart. He gives hope for the hopeless. Here's why this is so significant. We can gloss over this. But Jesus has just had an interaction with, with a guy who is a, a leader of a synagogue. Historically, Jesus does not get along well with leaders of the synagogues. But this guy has the humility to fall at his feet 
praising Jesus, pleading with him. This guy is risking his social reputation by going here. But what drove him here? Drove him here. His daughter's dying. He's desperate. That's going to be a theme. That's going to be another string we see. His desperation takes us to Jesus. And oftentimes it's only desperation that will take us there. And so this is why, here's why I think that's such good news. Because when we're, when we're just kind of feeling our lowest is I think when we're most ready to interact meaningfully with Jesus. When we're feeling the lowest. Jesus walks with the lowly. He walks with the lonely. And he walks, walks with the brokenhearted. So of course, when Jairus with humility comes and falls at his feet before Jesus, Jesus says, I will go with you. And so that they start walking. Now, this, this is where it gets real interesting. So they're on their way to Jairus' house, and we get this really interesting little interaction. It almost seems like an interruption. It almost seems unrelated, but trust me, it so is not unrelated. And these two stories intertwine together beautifully. Verse uh, 24, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Okay, so like on the way to Jairus' place, right? They're going. Jairus is, you can imagine, is feeling some expediency, some tension. My daughter is, is dying, and so he, they start going. Then in the middle of on the way to his place, this woman comes up. And again, it seems out of place, but it so is not. It so is not. Because Jesus is there for the brokenhearted. He's there for the lowly. He's there for those who feel hopeless. And so in this interaction, man, this is so, uh, so uh, cool to see. Man, we, what we need to do is we've got to get in the head of this woman. We need to empathize with her. We need to see her situation because I think it's then that we're going to get the most out of this entire passage if we do. So here's what we've got to notice about this woman. She'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd spent everything she had. She traveled around to all physicians, and she only got worse. Like, have you guys ever felt Hopeless before, like you're just hitting brick wall against brick wall, another brick wall, and you're, you're spinning, you're just totally exhausted and you're wiped out and you've tried everything and you've gone to everybody and it still isn't working. Whatever your problem is, it still isn't getting better. Whether it's a physical issue, a mental issue, emotional issue, it's not getting better. And you're in this hopeless place. That's where this woman's at right now. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She had felt this way. Man, in, in a Jewish society, to be bleeding would have made you ceremonially unclean. So not only is she totally isolated financially and she totally spent emotionally, she is, she is isolated relationally. She's not able to go worship in the center of her community where community is built. She's not allowed. She spent 12 years feeling this way. 12 years. Again, desperation brought her to Jesus. I've got nothing left. I've got no other options. She comes to Jesus. This is so good for us to hear. We need to get into this place. And I think the reason why is because when we, feel, when we feel like hope is lost, when we feel like hope is gone, that's when we want to be furthest away from Jesus. That's when we kind of want to like run in the exact opposite direction, kind of isolate ourselves and be like, man, this isn't working. But what we've got to know is that Jesus is right there saying, run to me. 
We're going to get, we're going to come back to this and get to some really practical applications of how this woman was an amazing example for us. But let's keep going. In verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? It's my favorite part, verse 31. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, yet you can ask who touched me? His disciples are like, what do you mean? We're in a crowd. People are, everybody's touching you, Jesus, right? They're so often just not on the same page as what he's on. Um, verse 32, but it gives me a lot of hope, right? Because I'm kind of a bonehead, so that helps me out a lot. Verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. All right, we're going to get to this next verse in a minute, but, but here's what we got to see is happening here. On the way to an important community official's place, promising to heal his daughter, Jesus is in a crowd and he stops. Like, let's just think from Jairus' point of view for a second. He's like, Jesus, I think we've got somewhere to be. Like, I think we've got something to do. Why are you stopping? So Jesus stopped in the middle of this crowd when this had happened. There's a lot of reasons why this is significant. I think coming from the woman's point of view, here's, here's what we got to know. Okay, let's keep reading, and then I'll preach on it. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. So in the middle, on his way to go heal somebody's daughter who's dying, he stops in the middle of the crowd to give this woman tension like it's like she was healed he could have kept moving and she was healed freed from suffering she was good but Jesus it's like no that's not it now now listen here's the thing this is so huge our physical betterment is never the priority of Jesus he cares about that but it is never the priority like if you're waiting for Christ to just come along and make your life physically exactly where you want it, like, like financially where you want it, career-wise where you want it, even relationally with other people where you want it, like that is not his priority. His priority is always and consistently our relationship with him. So Jesus desires so much more than physical healing for this woman. So though she is physically healed, he stops while on his way with a community leader to go heal a dying daughter. He stops and gives this woman attention. Man, this is massive what this would mean for her. This is massive for how it would look to people around him. Jesus cares for the lowly, cares for the brokenhearted. So he stops this woman, man, in the middle of this crowd, important official, but he stops to give attention to this woman. You know what? He calls her daughter. He calls her daughter. Jesus wants so much more than just physical healing for us. He wants relational connection with us. He wants us to be united with him. As we kind of think about the ailments in our life, where we feel hopeless, man, Jesus' priority is not the physical well-being of you, but the relational well-being and connection of him to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. That is so much more important and there's even this interaction. We see this actually a lot in the book of Mark because Jesus does a lot of really miraculous things. There's one interaction. We didn't end up preaching on it on a Sunday because we talk about it often. But it's like where this group of men, uh, men are carrying their friend on a, their, on a mat because he's paralyzed. And they dig a hole through a roof and they drop him through. Right? They're going this way to, to, to get him healed so he can walk again. And the first thing Jesus does when he sees him is says, Man, I've seen your faith. Your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, I've seen your faith. You may now walk. His priority was 
forgiveness of sins, and a relational connection to him. That is Jesus's priority. And so I think oftentimes we can feel frustrated with our physical circumstances, asking why they're not getting better, but really what we need to be asking is, okay, well, how is this, how's Jesus trying to be, bring me to him? Trying to bring me to him. So it's so significant what he's saying here. I'd love to have Stacy get up and, and share a couple things about this. Come on up. Hi, guys. Um, I really like this story just because of a lot of reasons. Um, and so one thing that stands out to me is just this woman's faith to approach Jesus when she was hurting. Um, I just imagine the humil- humility it would take to go before this person that you've heard that has healed demons and healed people and raised them from the dead, like what kind of humbleness would you need to go up before Jesus? And so that stands out to me. And her vulnerability and her in her illness, she wasn't ashamed of what she was going through. Um, and like Daniel said, she knew that Jesus was the only one that could heal her because um, she had had no other answers. Um, and so as the campus ministry, we've been talking about um, that passage and Mark 7, um, right, is it 7? Yeah. Yeah, where Jesus heals another woman of her faith, and just Chris and I had a discussion Friday about just how we can forget God's power, um, and we can forget that he has the power to heal anything, and we often shy away from that because we give God those human characteristics that we have and don't credit him the authority that he truly has. Um, And in this situation, Jesus could have easily just healed her without turning to her, like, like Daniel said, he could have, she could have touched him, she could have been healed, and they could have moved on and gone to Jairus' home. But instead, he took the time to really minister to her heart and um, give her that validation as a human. Um, so that always impacts me, and just thinking about how we, I mean, I know I can be in such a rush going through my day where I don't necessarily stop to take care of the person's heart, and I could just fix all these problems or... Um, you know, even at school with the kids, I could help them with what they need to do and just quickly move on. Um, but we need to be like Jesus, where we take the opportunity to meet people where they're at and minister to their hearts. Um, and we need to do this for ourselves, too. She went before Jesus in her lowest point. And um, again, Chris and I were talking, when, when we're in these places, we don't often go to Jesus because we believe we have the power to heal ourselves, um, which is just such a false a false statement. We don't have any power to heal ourselves. We need Jesus. Um, and so that reminds me of this passage in Mark 34, or not Mark 34, Psalm 34. Um, and this is actually in the message version. Um, and this is just always an encouragement to me to go and enter into that place with God when I am hurting. Um, it says, God met me more than halfway there. He freed me from my anxious fears. Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. When I am desperate, I called out, and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angel set up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. And so I just want to encourage you, if you are in a place of hurt, um, maybe it is a physical thing that you're facing, maybe it's a, a spiritual or emotional kind of trouble that you're in, just run to Jesus. He really wants to. He wants to meet you more than halfway there, and, but we have to be the ones willing to take that step very much so like this woman. She would have never gotten healed if she didn't go to Jesus. He would have, I mean, he could have healed her, but she took that step and went to her to ask for that healing. Um, and I just want to encourage you, just really step into those 
moments because God desires to go through the dark places with us. And um, I think that's a very powerful part about this passage. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to clap back. That's good. Thank you. I think maybe what's most convicting to me here is seeing how this woman, there's nothing outwardly wrong with her, but she was walking around dying on the inside. And how that could just so be me. And so just kind of walk around, good on the outside, but inwardly I've got these problems. I've got hopelessness. I've got loneliness. And I wonder how many of us walk around outwardly. We're just putting it up. We're good. But inwardly we're dying. I think this convicts me a lot because I think, okay, even the people in my life who looks good, but inwardly is, is dying. Am I doing anything to minister to that inward heart, the dying person? I, I love that a lot. Very convicting to me. Um, and as we go on here, I think, again, I just got to keep highlighting our, our, our main thread. Jesus is there for the hopeless. He's there for the brokenhearted. He stops for this woman. He heals her um, emotionally, physically, relationally, every way. It's amazing. Jesus wants so much more for us. Than the, than the outward, than the outward. Let's keep reading, because remember, we've got Jairus hanging on the side here, and he's like, yo, my daughter's dying, what's going on? Why are you stopping for this woman? Well, verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now, now this heart here is not reflective of Jairus. This is reflective of his household and the people serving him. And so as I look at these two stories, right, like I see a woman who's the exact opposite of what was just said. Like the theme of her is perseverance, faith, man, like desperation. And, and the theme of, of these people, not, again, not Jairus, but of these people, of his household and his servants is why bother, Right? Like, how often can we be there? Like, we're just not seeing Jesus do something in our life. Like, man, forget it. Why bother? Why even care if he's not going to heal this, if this is not happening? Again, I want to reference uh, what Stacy did. We've been looking at this inter interaction that Jesus had with a woman in Mark chapter 7. We won't go there. Um, but basically, she's coming to him because her daughter is, is dying. And, in, and she asks him to heal her. And Jesus says, man, something pretty tough. He's like, man, I don't give, I don't give, my, children's, why give my children's bread and give it to the dogs. In, in, in an interaction that is unbelievably faithful, this woman, and this is like never happens, rarely in the Bible when Jesus lays something out does somebody kind of clap back, but this woman says, but it, even the dogs get crumbs under the table. This woman displayed something amazing for us. She displayed what it looks like to be totally surrendered and humble yet perseverant, and that's something I struggle with. And where, where's this line? How do I figure this out? How do I be surrendered to what God, God wants but at the same time? Absolutely perseverant in it. And that woman really lays it out. I'd recommend you go there and read that, but I just wanted to mention, man, we're seeing these examples of absolutely just faithful people, and then we get Jairus' house, why bother? Let us not get to the place where we're in our faith where they're thinking, why bother? This isn't going to change. Why bother? Yeah, this part of me, this part of me is, you know, long dead. There's nothing that's going to happen here. Why bother? And yeah, you know what Jesus says to that in verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. So when we're in that place where we're thinking, why bother with this thing? It's never going to change, never going to be fixed. I've been praying about this for years, for decades. This is not going away. Let's not get to the place where we're just saying, why bother? Let's not go to that place. Why bother? Because Jesus says, do not be afraid. Just believe. Man, how fear can control us and rob us of faith. Don't be afraid. Just believe. We don't got time. I need to keep going. Verse 37. 
He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Again, this household, the situation he's walking into, why bother? They tell him there's hope, don't be afraid. They laugh at him. And what I love about this is Jesus has no hesitance walking in to vulnerably difficult situations, emotionally difficult situations. Man, just picture this household right now, this daughter. They think this daughter's laying there dead, and they're crying. They're wailing. They're laughing at any proposal of hope. Like, are you crazy? She's dead. Jesus walks faithfully into this situation. Oh, man, that we have this faith walking into emotional situations in our lives, whether it be in our own heart or our friends that are around us, that we can have the faith to walk into emotional situations. Again, the theme tying us all together here is Jesus walks with the brokenhearted. He walks with the hopeless. He walks with the lonely. He walks with the lowly. Jesus walks with these people. So he walks into this household. I'll continue verse 40. Sorry about that. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Helm, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. It told them to give her something to eat. Man, I love it when Jesus is like, dang, you got to eat something, man. Just give a meal. I love it when he says that. Jesus loved a good meal. Absolutely believe that. But look at this household. Why bother? Oh, you're saying there's hope? <laughs> yeah, no, there's not. When we're in that place, man, if you're, if you're feeling there, if you're in that place where you're hopeless and you're feeling that way, and here's what's right around the corner when we, when we want to see Jesus do miracles. Here's what's right around the corner. They were astonished. And how amazing it is in our life to feel astonished by when Jesus does something. I love feeling astonished. I so lack the faith to watch him do astonishing things. Again, let us not go to the place where we're just thinking, why bother? And imagine... Now, we don't, we don't really get a window into what Jairus is thinking. We, we never really know. If, if, if like, when, when they're on their way to his house and the woman kind of has this interruption, we, we don't know if Jairus is, like, freaking out or if he's totally calm and cool. We don't know what Jairus is thinking. But what I would ask us to do is put ourselves in his shoes and what would we be thinking and feeling. Because if I was in Jairus' shoes and I'm in my daughter's dying, and I have Jesus coming with me to heal her, but he stops. I'm like, dude, we've got places to be. And then we go in, and, and we see everybody's faithless and hopeless. And, man, if my best friends are around me, even though I got Jesus, if my best friends are like, dude, there's no hope for you. It's over. Right? Like, if my best friends are not walking alongside me faithfully, dude, I'm going to get depressed and start freaking out. Man, if, if we're going to take that position, if we're going to put ourselves in these stories, if we're going to read them in a way that's going to change our lives, then we've got to look at that and be like, okay, I can't be the friend that's saying why bother. I can't be the brother in Christ. I can't be the sister in Christ that's saying there's no hope. Get out of here. But that we can be, walk alongside each other, on, saying, no, there's hope, man. You got, yeah. there's, there's hope. I know it doesn't look like it. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know you've been suffering uh, with this for a long time. Like, like some of us don't even have to try to put ourselves in the shoes of, of the woman or Jairus because some of us really have suffered with things for, for years, for decades, man. We get it that those men, we have to be so attentive to each other and know what else is going on because how easy it is to be dying on the inside but look fine on the outside. 
we can walk alongside each other saying, man, there's hope. Yep. Not, why, not Don't say why bother, but say bother. Yep. Bother God. Ask, Amen. seek, and knock with God. There's hope Amen. for the hopeless. Jesus walks with the hopeless. He walks with the lonely. He walks with the lowly. Yep. And it's when we're lonely and when we're lowly that I think we're most primed to be astonished by God in our life if we walk faithfully in those times. Amen? All right, so we're just going to kind of close this thing out here. Just some practicals. I think just some examples I'm, I'm seeing set here. Man, if we're going to apply this, I think the one thing we got to know is that, that our physical betterment and the miracle in our life is not Christ's ultimate priority. And it's not the point. It's not the point. And I think if we have, like, if we're just going to look at, at the, the bleeding woman, what do we learn from her? What can we take away from this? Man, I think one thing that's huge, that's huge, is that she had to wait 12 years for Jesus. Man, we got him right now. And how many things we can go to to try to get healing that's not Jesus and how it doesn't work or maybe it just works for a little bit. Man, we've got to know, man, we have an advantage on this woman and that she waited 12 years, but we've got Jesus right now that we truly seek him for fulfillment, right? Because I've heard it put this way and I love it, but when you follow Jesus, it doesn't promise you're going to get everything in the world, but it does promise you get him and that he's always enough. Is Jesus enough? enough. I think something else that's huge here. Man, no matter how much faith we have, I think about this Hebrews chapter 11 passage where it talks about this roll call of faith and man, these people that did amazing things. And so interesting how the writer of Hebrews closes that section out. He's like, yeah, you know what? Through faith, people saw miracles done and through faith, people got sawn in two. Faith doesn't mean it's going to work out physically best for you, but it does mean you get Christ and that he's always enough no matter what. The, the, the question is, do you really feel like Christ is enough no matter what? So I would just call us to some faith. I'd call us to some hope. When we feel isolated, we feel, and I think we feel this way, when we feel lonely, we have to run closer into Jesus and trust that he's going to be enough no matter what. We can pursue Jesus right now. Are we doing that? Listen, y'all, we're going to get a chance. We're going to do communion here in a minute, and we're going to hear some campus students share their testimony. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. As we listen to communion, we've got to ask ourselves, okay, where am I not turning to Christ? Where have I gone to all these other physicians and all these other things, and dang, it just isn't working because you don't got to wait 12 years, man. Jesus is right here, right now. And just like Jairus, we've got to be humble. Jesus had every uh, right in the world to kind of let his pride kind of flare up and, and stop Jesus from doing what he's doing. But Jesus, a community leader who his peers were consistently at odd with, with Jesus, he humbled himself, fell at his feet, and said, please. Let's not let our pride stop us from going, getting closer to Jesus. Amen? Amen? That we think we've got the secret way or whatever. Let's, let's pursue Christ and let him be enough. Amen. So again, the narrative thread here. Jesus walks with the lowly. He walks with the lonely. And there's hope for the hopeless. Right. There's hope for the humble. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for, for these stories, for putting these in the Bible. And, and I love just seeing the way you interact with these people. Uh, you went to the woman, you, you gave her healing in every way. You stopped and you gave her validation and you gave her connection. You gave her love on top of healing her physical, uh, her physical illness. I love seeing the way that Jesus walked right into Jairus' house in a hopeless, faithless situation and just said, don't be afraid, just believe. I pray we can embody these examples. Help us run closer into you. Help us, God, if some of us are in here today feeling desperate, man, maybe we can... I think that's a good thing. I know it's crazy to think, but in our desperation, we're most primed to seek you and be closest to you, God. Help us feel this way, seek you in this way. 
I'm grateful for you. Love you. Thank you. Pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Love you.